0: Hey, good morning Bethel. I am so excited for this morning to be able to unite together. And and this is a really exciting morning because some of you are joining us right now from your homes, you're watching online. Others of you are in your homes, you're watching through Rogers TV. And then today is the very first official day that I get to say a special shout out to our brothers and sisters in the Ag Hall in Glencoe with our Bethel Southwest. Hi, Bethel Southwest. We are so excited about what God is doing there amongst you and the chance we have to join together. Wherever you are joining us from, my name's Alan. I have the privilege of getting to be the lead pastor of this church family that we call Bethel. And I am so looking forward to diving into God's word. Would you bow with me and let's prepare our hearts as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we love you. We worship you. We are so grateful for the chance we have had to sing praises to you already. And now as we come to your word, we're preparing our hearts for this Christmas season. We're looking ahead to Jesus, the 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 Christ, the one who came to rescue us. And we ask that you would lead us. May the words of my mouth And the meditations of each of our hearts be found acceptable and may they be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen and amen. Imagine with me that you just got some huge news. I, I don't know if it's your phone just dinged because you got news from that company that you've been interviewing with for months that you finally got the job or, or imagine you're, you're standing outside the bathroom and your wife walks out with that little stick and, and she's got that look in her eyes or, or maybe your, uh, uh, your grown kids give you a ring and say that, you know, we've got news. You're going to be a grandma. Maybe it's a teacher who just comes by your desk and plops that killer midterm right on your desk and you look into the corner, almost out of the the corner of your eye and you see there in big red marker, A plus, or maybe it's the doctor's office calling to tell you after months and months of treatment, they just got results back and the cancer is gone. When you get news like that, when you get this big news, this urge wells up inside of you to want to call someone who is the first person that you want to call? Who, who is that individual that you're just already kind of picturing, starting to dial their number on your phone? Who's that person that you, you want to set up, you know, a, a fake coffee dates as a guys to be able to pop the surprise upon them. Who are you waiting to walk through the door so that you can tell them this amazing news? Who is it for you? This morning, we are looking into God's word together. And focusing our attention this Christmas season on a teaching series we are calling God With Us. Looking at the Christmas story from a number of different vantage points. To help us understand how God came to be with many different people from many different stripes. We're looking at the Christmas story. And our passage of scripture is that exact scenario. There's huge news and who are you going to call except that question is not coming for you or for me. That's the question before us with God. That's the question God's perspective has right now, because you know from God's perspective that Christmas was no just coincidence or, you know, special series of um, random surprises, right? You know that. The first Christmas when Mary and Joseph had baby Jesus and they laid him in a manger and, you know, all the things that happened together was the culmination of the most epic, intricate, woven carefully together plan that has ever happened. Bit by bit, God was weaving and crafting and orchestrating this gigantic plan. For what we know, as thousands and thousands of years, God was carefully working this plan in place until finally the mystery would be revealed. The the countdown clock was ticking until finally the clock came to zero. The ball dropped. The day he was here, the moment has arrived, that very first Christmas, that's what it was. It was the culmination of all of this waiting and planning and, and, intricate working together. And it finally came. And the question is, who would God call first? Who's the first person, the first people that God would send, you know, like a heavenly text message to let them know the amazing news that is here. And if you're hearing this story for the very first time, or maybe you imagine hearing this story for the very first time, the answer to that question is nothing short of shocking. It is not at all what you would expect. And in so doing, God has given you and I a most profound lesson this Christmas. It is this. This Christmas, friends, We are both comforted and confronted because God is with the brushed aside and the broken. We are going to find comfort in God's word today here together for each and every person who has ever felt brushed aside, too brushed aside to be noticed or nurtured, or those who have felt broken and beat down. You're too far gone, too messed up, too many mistakes. God's word is going to show us. He's going to show you today, friends, that God has not brushed you aside that you are not too broken for God, but that God calls out and holds his hands out to the brushed aside and the broken. God's word is also going to confront and challenge us today because each and every one of us have brushed others aside. We have looked down our noses on those whom God came to rescue. We have hurt and wounded those whom God loves. And we are going to see the gospel beautifully held up in front of us, bringing us to be challenged and brought to a place, a posture of both humility and grace at the feet of Jesus. And so turn in your Bibles with me, grab them out, and turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. The gospel of Luke chapter two, and we're going to be looking at verses eight to 16 today. The first seven verses of the gospel of Luke are the account of Jesus being born there in Bethlehem 2000 years ago, you know, no room in the inn, Mary and Joseph laid in the manger, all that stuff. Right. And then we read immediately after it says, Jesus is born. We read this in verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Our attention at this moment, it's like if you're a movie scene, there's this epic, you know, drone shot where it goes from the nativity scene, zoomed in, and all of a sudden it just pans out and then goes all the way over to this countryside hill and goes right down and focuses in on this group of shepherds. This group of guys who it says here, they're living out in the fields. They've got no roof over their head. They've got no nice warm blankets to cuddle up in in bed. Their bed was the ground. Their pillow was a rock or maybe a folded up sweater. They haven't showered in weeks probably. No education, no bank account. All they have is the sheep they're looking after and the stuff that's in the bags they carry upon their backs. This group of shepherds, you'll, you'll never believe it. But after God had worked for all of eternity, weaving and intricately directing and guiding all of his careful plan, this group of shepherds are the very first people that God says, I'm going to call. It says, verse 9, The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. These unsuspecting you know, minding their own business group of ragtags, probably fall off the logs they're sitting on beside the fireplace. And and it says there that they are utterly, you know, knee knocking, hearts racing, terrified. Literally those words in the original language say they were frightened with a loud fear. But this messenger of God is like, you know, there's no need to fear here. This isn't fire and brimstone life, you know, flashing before your eyes sort of moment. It says there in verse 10, the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger you got to you got to catch this friends the very first person very first people god calls to let know about his incredible plan and the mystery that has now been revealed is a group of shepherds the first line in this is just an immediate kind of like make you smile, play on words. If you see it in the original language, we, we read there and our translation, it says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. L- literally there, this line says, the angel says like, no fear. I bring you loud joy. See the, the, the shepherds, it says there are like, they are filled with fear and loud. They, they are frightened with loud fear. And then the angel comes and says, no, no, no fear. I bring you loud joy. I I have got good news, the most incredible, breathtaking, mind-blowing news you could ever imagine. I've got loud joy that you need to hear. God has sent me, the angel says, to tell you first this incredible news. Just let that sink in. If you were God and you worked for thousands of years weaving together this plan, dropping the breadcrumbs, guiding all of human history to get to this moment, this culminating moment, the rescue plan of the world is here and the first person you tell is a group of shepherds i'm not sure how much you know about shepherds back in the day when this whole situation is going down i mean we've already seen these are guys who are you know living out in fields they don't have homes right no house, no shower, only what they carry on their back is their possessions. We've already seen that. We know from other historical sources that in this time, shepherds were deeply looked down upon. One source talks about how they were considered nothing but liars, no good liars. They could not testify in court because they couldn't be trusted. There's another historical source that says, says shepherds were considered religiously unclean. Their jobs with these animals made them contaminated, contaminated before God and contaminated so they couldn't even go to the temple to get right with God. And the irony in all of this is that they, from another source we read, it is very likely that these very shepherds, given the time of year and where they were looking after their sheep, that the sheep they're looking after are going to be the sheep that will be used in just a few short months for a whole series of different sacrifices done in the temple to make others religiously clean. This place and this locale where these shepherds are looking after their sheep, they are almost certainly looking after the sheep that are going to be used in the temple in Jerusalem as offerings and sacrifices to help make others right with God. So not only is this group a rough around the edges group, they are brushed aside and marginalized for their status. They are mocked and dismissed and cannot give a testimony. They are the outcasts and filthy and and spiritually marred. And they are the have-nots who are being used under the thumb as pawns for the haves. This is the definition of brushed aside and broken people. And these people, these shepherds, are the ones that God calls first with his good news. I wonder today, have you ever felt brushed aside? Have you ever felt less than? Have you ever felt like I'm just not enough? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not skinny enough. Have Have you ever felt like you've been in the spot where you feel like you're just being looked down upon and you're on the outside looking in? Have you ever felt like you're just too broken, like you've messed up one too many times, like you've come from this background that's just too far gone that you've got nothing to offer, like you've got to hide and pretend and put up these facades and hold up the smile. Because if anybody actually found out what was really going on inside your heart, in your head, in your home, if anybody actually understood what you were really wrestling with, then it would just be like the ultimate nightmare and disaster. And so you've just got to hold up all of these walls, faking it, always on the lookout and always terrified. For if anyone ever found out just how broken you really feel like you are, have you ever felt like when it comes to being brushed aside and broken, there's just no way God would want anything to do with me. There's no way I could approach God. There's no way I could bring everything that is in my life, all that I am to God because I'm, I'm just too brushed aside. I'm just too broken. Our scripture today, friends, is declaring to us this incredibly comforting message God is with the brushed aside and the broken. God is with the brushed aside and the broken, dear friends. That messenger sent right from God says, verse 10, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now we of course don't have the ability just off of the pages of text, the black and white in front of us to know where the angel emphasized different words, right? We, we can't, but, but I, I think it would be fair to suspect that just maybe that word all there. as as the angel said, this had some extra special oomph behind it. Dear friends, I've got a message of loud joy that will be for all the people, for everyone. Not just the ones who are prominent and powerful. Not just the ones who are pretty and polished not just the ones who have it all figured out, not just the ones who've come from a nice family and lived a nice life and all followed the nice path. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, the angel says. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Right this very day, a rescuer has come into the world. See it's good news for all people because a savior has come. A savior has come. one has just arrived who has come to rescue the people. He is the Christ. that that's not just Jesus last name. That, that, that's the, the Old Testament word of Messiah. Here in Greek, that's the, the pointer to the one who is long awaited, the anointed one, the rescuer who God has been orchestrating all of human history, pointing us ahead to. But how often, how often do we live like we need to get ourselves cleaned up before we can approach God? How often do we live like we need to get our act together before we can let others in? We get in this really big struggle, this really massive challenge upon our shoulders, this really deep, despairing valley, and we feel like we need to get ourselves through it, pull up our bootstraps, grit our teeth, push on through before we ever let anybody in, and then it's only weeks or months after we finally maybe broken through that we let others know and they're like, why didn't you tell me you were going through all of that? Why didn't you let us in? On this. Why? Why do we do this? Because we want to act like we don't need a savior. We are afraid of what other people will think if they see our brokenness. We feel like we need to measure up before we can be accepted or be acceptable. But the shepherds in their fields smelly as their stinky flocks. While they were brushed aside by everyone else, they had done nothing to get themselves cleaned up. They'd done nothing to get themselves right and ready and polished. Right where they were, the angel comes to them, sent by Almighty God and says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. A Savior has come. Today in the town of David has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. God was not looking for these shepherds to get their act together before he came to them. And he is not looking for you or me to get our acts together before he comes to us either. It was because these shepherds didn't have their act together that Jesus came as a savior for them. It's because you and I, we don't have it all together and we can't get ourselves all fixed up that we need Jesus, who is the savior, who has come. Verse 12 says, this will be a sign the way you'll know that this is really true it's going to show you you will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger wait what 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 did that just say it, did that really just say the lord of all the universe is going to come as a baby And not just the Lord of all the universe coming from a baby is shocking, but the Lord of all the universe is going to come from a baby and is going to be lie in a feeding trough. I mean, I would have thought if the if the Lord of all the universe is going to come, he would come to the greatest of cities. He he would be laid in a velvet blanket, he would be fed from a silver spoon. He would be held up in front of crowds, throngs of of crowds, crying out, blasted all over every single headline. Isn't that how the Lord of the universe would come? But before they could even process this, verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to men of whom on whom his favor Rests. The sky is filled or the hillside is filled. It, it says with a great company, it's so big, you like can't even count them everywhere. You look, there's just these, these angel armies. That's, that's literally what the phrase heavenly host means, angel armies. There are these heavenly soldiers singing in a united victory march at the top of their lungs, crying out, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Praise and all honor and credit to the God of all the universe who has now made it possible for this rescue plan to happen. Peace on all those who realize they need a savior and the favor of God rests upon them as they give their lives to him. And then seemingly almost as quickly as they came, this angel army goes back to heaven. Beside the very throne of God. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Did this really just happen? We got to go check this out. And so they march off as quickly as they can to see if it's really real down the hill and into town. They hurried off and found Mary, and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. It was just as the angels had said. God not only called the brushed aside and the broken, as his very first call when the great news has come, but catch this, God became, the brushed aside and the broken. Jesus became a baby born to a poor young couple, so poor they couldn't even afford a room in the inn, so brushed aside and broken that this little baby was laid in the trough that the animals used to eat. Jesus came for the brushed aside and the broken by becoming brushed aside and broken. He is the one who said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He is the same one who John opens up his gospel by saying he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. This was his saving plan. Not arms crossed with a scowl, not a finger waving and looking down his nose from heaven upon each and every one of us, but God's very first call reveals exactly how his entire rescue plan was going to play out. God calls out to the broken and the brushed aside by becoming broken and brushed aside. God welcomed the broken and the brushed aside by rescuing one of them as their own. As we consider this text, as we consider this Christmas story that tells us God is with the broken and the brushed aside, I believe this message both comforts and confronts us. This Christmas, we are both comforted and confronted by Jesus who came for the broken and the brushed aside. There is such profound comfort for us within this text for all who have ever felt broken or brushed aside. Have you ever felt broken and brushed aside for for whatever the reason or the cause, whether it was because of things that you have done, mistakes that you have made, places that you have been, or things done to you, wounds, wounds. You have received shame that's been heaped upon you. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for all people. That includes you today, friend. There is good news for you. Jesus came Because he loves you. Jesus came to rescue and to help, to heal and to restore you right now. He came to make it possible for you to be welcomed into the very hands of God right now. He came to invite you into relationship with God Almighty. And he is not asking you to fix yourself first. He is not looking to you to get your act together first or to work all of this out first. He came for you right where you are the brushed aside and the broken. And and I want you to picture, it's like he's holding out his hands to you, even right now, this very day, and saying, take hold of my hands. I'm offering you all that you need if you would but lay your life into my hands. Today, friend, this Christmas can be the day no matter how brushed aside or broken you might feel, God is holding out his hands to welcome you in. This text also powerfully speaks to our hearts and it challenges and confronts us. At the same time, this text confronts us it's challenging and comforting because if, if we are really honest, we've all brushed others aside. For each of us, it, it different people, different reasons, sure, but but every single one of us, our own human, sinful nature bent is prone to, to brush others aside, to look down upon others, to break others down. It might be your spouse or your kids. It might be somebody at work or at school. It might be a person that works behind the till at that particular place and, and, and it's the way they speak. Is it the accent of their voice? Is it the color of their skin? Is it the job that they do that makes you look down and brush them aside? It, it might be that person who identifies as fill in the blank. It might be that person who lives over there in that place who dresses like it, you know it might even be the person across across the aisle from you sitting there at church who who when they when they start talking about the bible it's quite obvious that they read it in a very different way than you do they come from a very different background than you do. They, they don't really understand certain things or they're struggling with what, or they don't haven't really worked through this. And we, for whatever the reason, there can be a thousand different things, but somewhere in our bent out of shape, sinful, broken hearts, we have this propensity, every single one of us to identify the them so that we can feel better about us to look down our noses, to brush aside, to dismiss and break them. Here's the problem, friends. Jesus came for each and every one of those that we are brushing aside. Jesus came and died and was raised to life on a rescue mission for them. And here's the problem. We are just like them. There is no us versus them. The beautiful message of the cross is this. The good news of the gospel is this. We all need a savior. There is level ground at the foot of the cross, as the old saying goes. We all desperately need to fall at the feet of Jesus who has come for us. Today, friends, we must also see in this text a challenge that calls each and every one of us to repent. I am sorry, God, for looking down upon those whom you love. I am sorry, God, for how I have been so blinded by my own pride to not realize I am just as desperately in need. Today, friends, may God give us the grace to see that he is the one who has come for the brushed aside and the broken, may God give us the comfort to know that as we are brushed aside and broken, he welcomes us in. And may he give us that posture of humility, recognizing we do not look down on everyone, but we all desperately need Jesus. And so we run to him.